What's up, guys? How's everybody? On today's episode, I have a guest that I've known for 16, actually 17 years now. It's Billy Hamilton from the band Silverstein, a.k.a. Bilverstein. And just like I've said on social media, seeing the man he's become, it's just, I love that dude. He's just such a great guy. And this conversation is a blast. Hear about his crazy, insane start to 2020. It's a blast. So check it out. Thanks for listening. Keep following. Keep subscribing subscribing and just keep keeping on <laughs> yeah yo buddy there we go how are you bud not bad you know um things are getting a bit uh I don't know, grim up here as far as uh, pandemic goes. We're certainly seeing the most amount of cases, and it's the uh, we're like in kind of full don't leave your house lockdown. I guess maybe not quite as um, they're not quite as uh, strict as like it had been in New York at some point, but mm. um, like we don't have like uh, you know a lot of time that you're allowed to leave your house or anything like that. But mm. um, it's just recommended that people stay inside and you know don't yeah. uh see people outside of their households and whatnot so yeah and it's it's kind of crazy that you guys did that in the beginning though right did you have a shutdown that was like ours yeah like like almost right away um yeah and and we you know we returned from tour um like literally the day before or like the friday you know the friday or the saturday before the Monday where they announced it. Um, mm. And so we were already like being advised to quarantine for two weeks after coming back from, uh, from the state. So, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was just kind of yeah. same vibe here, man. New York was, I don't think other places in the country, there was masks, I think. And then like schools got shut down. I'm pretty sure in most spots, but New York was like obviously the hot spot for it, and it was it right. was wild just walking around. Like I think I've talked I've talked about it in that little live stream I did with you guys, like where it was like walking the streets and like I'm the only one walking the streets. It's crazy, bro. And then when there's like a lockup yeah. on like the Seven Eleven and the it's nuts, man. <laughs> it certainly felt like that uh, here at first, like in in March and into April. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I'd say it feels less like that now, maybe just because we've been through it. And so people either are, are just kind of used to it or less are like less afraid to like leave their houses. Um, or, and also like a lot of businesses that had closed, um, have kind of like figured out what they're allowed to do now. So mm -hmm. like at, at, there was a time when like restaurants were just like, nope, like done closed. Yeah. And then a lot of them had to like, figure out how to like offer, you know, take out curbside pickup, like mm. same thing with like stores. Like now I feel like all the record stores in the city just have like literally have a table at the front of the door and you like, they have a sign on the door that says like, call us and we'll like go look for it and then we'll, they'll bring it to the, so like oh. they're doing curbside pickup, which is cool. I mean, it's like yeah. good for, to keep the, keep the businesses going. But yeah, um, cause there was a few months where everything was just closed. So yeah. that's, that was the same here. And I think like when things opened up, uh, this is why humans are fascinating. I've, I've been reading this crazy book called like seven and a half 
something with the brain. I really suck that I didn't remember it, but, um, <laughs> but it's crazy, man, like how humans can acclimate and, you know, figure out like how to deal with certain situations. But, you know, then there's other humans who can do that, but also at the same time, they're the ones that kind of get lazy and don't follow through and they pull the mask down and in, in this situation sure, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's wild. It's, it's crazy how that works. And like, that's why I think it, we're, we are in the state we are in, in the United States, but it, you are in Toronto. So it's a, you have a little different of a situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to um, sort of jump into this here with talking about um, the beginning of 2020 for me and for my band Silverstein. Let's um, do it. As you, as you know, and I'm sure some listeners know, um, 2020 was the 20th anniversary of Silverstein. Yes. So we had a really big year planned, um, and it was all sort of uh, hinged around this 20th anniversary tour that we were doing. Um as well as our, the release of like our, you know, ninth proper studio, I guess 10, if you count short songs, mm -hmm. um, record, we had just signed a new deal with, um, UNFD record label and, um, they're, uh, based out of Australia. So we, the whole point was that we were going to, like the whole plan was that we were going to kick off the year with a appearance at the like unified festival that they run, <sighs> which is in Melbourne. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, uh, the whole point was like, we were just going to go and do the festival. So it was like one show, um, kind of in and out, mm -hmm. uh, and like the whole thing was hinged around this. So like we were releasing a single, like the, just before the festival, we were going to play it for the first time. And like in the planning of this, um, you know, we started tried some uh, some options we're like if we're gonna go all the way to australia for one show like are we gonna try to play japan like are we gonna can we try to go to other places in asia can we like you know do we do hawaii on the way there the way back or whatever mm -hmm. and we had this little tour planned um that was just gonna be three shows um and you know paul mark and i i think particularly were like yo we don't want to go all the way to australia for one show and like land the day before we play this like big festival and then like have to leave the next day. Like it's going to suck. Mm -hmm. And like me personally, um, like I love Australia. And so, yeah, there's no way we're like sitting on a plane for like 30 hours just to like show up and play one show and leave. Like it's such a bummer. So literally on like this day last year, him and I, flew to Australia like a week early Ooh. and we just arranged it that like the festival, the festival had like allocated enough budget for like our travel and our backline or something that they were just going to cover our hotel for the week that we were there. What? So that was, so that was tight. So, oh dude, that's amazing. So Paul Mark and I arrived in Australia, like the first, uh, you know, first week of January, it's like the middle of summer down there. But if you remember, Australia was like dealing with all these wildfires at the time. Oh my God, that's right. So, yeah. So we were in Melbourne, which was like quite far from, you know, most of the like uh, destruction was really happening like up the coast in Sydney or like down in the, in the south towards Adelaide. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, you know, hundreds of miles, thousands of miles even from these places. But there was like, it was affected, man. Like there was 
just a like a lingering like it was it was so much worse than like LA smog or something like just this like lingering black cloud oh wow over the country yeah and I think part of it too was like you know there was a there was like a literal black black cloud but people were like bums too like the country was literally on fire and you know everywhere we went everyone was sort of there was this sort of thing like oh shit like things are getting really weird wow so 2020 kind of started off with this really weird kind of black cloud thing going on as we're hanging in Australia. But, you know, Paul Mark and I really like to make the most of things, you know, when we're on the road, um, try to like get out and see the sites and hit the bars and the restaurants. And um, so we were definitely doing that. And we were like, you know, we were living our best life down there Mm -hmm. um, amidst all this. And then, you know, the other guys showed up and, um, you know, a day or two before the festival. And we drove down to like the Melbourne sort of in the central South Australia. And, um, it was just a bit further South than that. Um, like right on the coast, um, where this festival was, is like maybe two hours mm-hmm. South of Melbourne mm-hmm. and like South sort of, um, Southeast. And, um, we drive down there and, it's like one of those outdoor festivals that like has camping and um, like the, there's no ins and outs. Like all of the the people are there for like, like two or three days, like bring a tent, like oh. prepare to be there. Right. It's like Reading and Leeds kind of vibe. Like all those oh. like rock and ring, all any amazing festival we can name. Right. So we roll into this festival and it was like, um, you know, we were on, the, there was like kind of, um, like it wasn't a super huge festival. I mean, there was maybe like 30,000 people there or something, but mm. it was, um, uh, we were on the main stage and then there was also a side stage and there might've been a couple other, like, like smaller stages, but there was mainly just two stages. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were supposed to play like towards the end of the day at, uh, on the main stage, um, with the headliners being like architects, and oh, um i yes. think north lane i think it was supposed to go like us and then north lane and then architect okay um and and then the, the following day was supposed to be like um uh ghost inside and like um another huge australian man i think and like yeah tonight alive was supposed to play that day so it was like wow. really stacked with australian bands but mm-hmm. there was a couple of um bands from from uh, overseas and um yeah, so we roll in and it's like they've got a set like living basically like we get to the day before and we're like in houses and they, they like it was like they rented Airbnbs or something for us. What? So and we split it we split into like two different houses. Um so because they're like so that everyone had their own room and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh and like basically the day before or like the day of the show, it just starts pouring rain like it like it hasn't rained in australia in months because these fires have been going on like this is all the issues and it's just absolutely pouring rain is that a good thing though or a bad thing it's it's a good thing for the country yes okay but it's a bad thing for the festival right yeah (laughs) and so all these like poor fans are just there like literally just like like their their tents are being (sighs) flooded like it's just crazy. And they're, and they're basically saying to us, they're like, Hey, you know, this is just getting pushed back. It's constantly, everything's just being pushed back. And we're sitting in like, you know, this classic, like, you know, festival, European festival, especially like 
backstage like tent like rooms that they yeah, build of course that are just like yeah so it's yeah. like a circus tent that just has walls put up and, and we're just like hanging stuff, in there yeah. being like and we also prepared for it to be like a hot australian summer day and so we're just like freezing in this tent oh no. and um and we uh we also like travel pretty lightly for these kind of shows like we've gotten our rigs down to where like you know we're using like Kemper amps and like pedal boards and like so we don't have a ton of gear with us mm-hmm. and it's all loaded in the back of a, like a one of those like australian like sprinter van type thing mm-hmm. and uh we sort of get like our tour manager ben is just like going back and forth with the production manager and all of a sudden it's just like hey main stage is like canceled like it's flooded there's no no one's playing like it's not happening oh and and so they're like, most of the bands are going to like, we're just going to try to make it happen tomorrow uh-huh. and like try to get as many of the bands as possible on tomorrow. But you guys have a flight in the morning. No. So, so they're basically like, and I mean like the, the guarantee was like a lot of money. They were like paying us to come all the way for one show. They're basically just like, you can take the money and not play. What? Or, or you can play like right now on the side stage get the fuck out of here <laughs> and of course i i don't i i know what you guys did without even knowing what you yeah did. so tell me what how so, that go like and i think that this is like a classic silverstein like throw and go we call it right oh, like i love um, those man we, we were so good at like, those. <laughs> <laughs> we're like on the 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 side stage is like on the opposite side of the field of this like festival that has like people camping on it uh-huh. and um it's just been pouring rain for 12 hours and we load all of our gear out of the back of this van into golf carts and we just trek across this festival field and like um do you know sam um Sam Cocker, he like worked for Amity Affliction, like um, from New Zealand. Does he have face tattoos? Um, no, but he's got a lot of tattoos. Mm, yeah, no, but you, I don't you know. would probably know him to see him. He's a yeah, sweetheart, and I'd his his him. band, his uh, he's in a great edge band called Antagonist AD, and uh, they're on stage, and they were like supposed to close out the side stage, and they're finishing up, and we're just like grabbing our shit <laughs> and running, and like. You know, we, we basically were just flying with guitars and our, like, you know, little amp setup. But a big thing that we fly with is, like, our in-ear monitor rig. And oh. we've got it in, like, just one flight case. Um, everything, you know, got to plug all the lines in. And so we're frantically doing this um, as they're finishing up their set. And this is also the first show of the year. Oh, my So, God. like, we've been in the studio. We, like, haven't, you know, like, we've we've rehearsed a little bit, but, like... When was your last show before just, this? Um, I don't remember. I could I could check the... Yeah, I check pulled the up archive. The, <laughs> I pulled up the archive to... Because uh, what? It, it would have uh, to have been, like, a month at least. Oh, no, no, no. It was, it was, it was like, six months. So Holy the last shit. show we had played was in, was in um, August. The oh summer before God. we played, we played the like Best Buy Theater, whatever it's called, PlayStation Theater. Now with August Burns Red, was the last show we had played. That's so. It's been months since we played a show. Oh my God! And literally, we just are like throw through the shit on stage, like plugged everything in, and we're just like got our guitars and just like okay, we're we're doing this right. Like, um, and I don't even know that there was time to like let people know that we were playing. Oh, because. 
like I think they might have made an announcement or something like on this on the side stage or maybe even from the main stage because people were kind of congregating, being like, "What's going on with the show?" Yeah, and so the side stage was just like one of those circus tent, and that's what the thing is—it was covered. Yeah, so we just threw our shit on stage and got up and played, and like we're like, "Okay, we did it," and we're just like whatever. Like, I don't even think we had a set list or we had a set list plan and we're just like, fuck it. Let's just, just go, you know? Oh, and, and so, and then obviously that we finished within an hour or whatever and put everything back on the, on the golf carts, went back across through the mud, back in the van. And we like literally drove straight to the airport. Wow. And, um, and this story is so far from over. <laughs> oh boy, keep it going. Flew, Let's go. We flew we flew the next like at seven AM the next morning we flew to Manila to the Philippines. Oh wow. Okay. Which which um Manila um we hadn't been there since like twenty twelve or something. And Manila is like one of our craziest like uh you know, internet kind of um when when you get the like analytics of like where your followers are coming from, mm. we always we always see that like manila is like where people are coming from on facebook and stuff oh awesome so they've been anticipating our return to manila for like for eight years or something wow and we had this big big uh this big show booked and um it was sold out and we roll into the airport in manila and as we're coming down the escalator like to the baggage claim there's someone holding up a sign that says josh bradford on it (laughs) (laughs) and we're like (laughs) And we're like, oh, like what? And like Josh, I don't know. You, you know, we, you know, you, you love Josh. You know Josh. Josh, Josh is, one is of like the best totally people. this like he's, big sweetheart, oh goofy God, guy. Like the best, like the best. The, like the he's like the least sort of like you know business guy. Right? We're no. like, why? What? Why Josh? Right? Like <laughs> you know, like why? And it turns out that um, because when we checked all the bags, a oh, couple no. bags went like under a bunch of our names. So they're like, sorry, Mr. Bradford. We've lost your bag. And it turns out it's our in-ear monitor rig. Oh, no. So, like, literally the worst possible thing that could be lost on a flight. And they're like, it was damaged. Um, something went wrong, you know. And so we're freaking out. We got the show to play. Luckily, we had, we had you know, given ourselves a day mm-hmm. um, to arrive in Manila and um, prepare for the show. But... Basically, the next day, we're, like, ready for the show. We're set up to sound check. We're getting it going. And, like, someone from the airport shows up with, like, a box. that, And they pull it out. And it's our in-ear rig with, like, the lid popped off. And, like, all this shit hanging out. And then just, like, a piece of duct tape, like, wrapped around the whole thing. Oh, no. And luckily, we were able to get it going. I think um, Ben, our tour manager, had like arranged with the promoter to like get a couple of things rented or something, just, like just in case. So we were able to kind of like take what we had and make things work, like even though some stuff was falling apart. Yeah. And we played the show, and it was like so amazing. Oh god. Um, and there was a thing too in the like in the deal for the show mm-hmm. was that like they were they were gonna. Um, sell a ticket and then sell another ticket that included like a VIP meet and greet. Oh, okay. And the whole, the whole thing was like, they said like, Oh, you know, whatever our, our offer was like, was like a flat deal offer or something. And they were just like, Oh, but we can give you a little bit more money. If you include, if you let us include this meet and greet or whatever. And we're like, okay. And normally when we do a meet and greet, it's like, you know, 10% of the crowd, you know, for playing a house of blues for, 
1200 people we might play we might meet 100 people after the show yeah well we do this show is amazing it was like a finally feels like a first proper show <laughs> and it's like okay we're gonna do the meet and greet now oh no and they're like we're like how many people are in the meet and greet they're like 587 <laughs> Is that how so, many people are at the show or is that like, well, I think that there was like, it was about half. Like, I think there was like probably 12 or 1500 people at the show oh and we got, Lord. we got to meet half of them. Well, there you go. So That's like, how, are gonna do, <laughs> how are we going to do this? And, uh, they basically just sat, sat us on the stage and like ran people through. And it was the most efficient thing. Like they, they would just like group people like in like groups of five or 10 and just throw them on stage and like take a photo. And if anyone tried to like take up their phone and go like, Oh, Hey, I'm getting a phone. Someone would come up and snatch the phone from oh, them. No. <laughs> and like, if anyone tried to do anything, like they were, so, they just had people, they were so efficient. Oh my, were you guys signing stuff too? Or was it just photos? We weren't, it was just photos. Like we oh, were basically, okay. they basically just said, okay, we just got to do photos. We'll get it all done real quick. We'll do it efficiently. Right. So, and I think if anyone tried to get something signed or something, someone came up and just snapped it out of their hand. Ah, um, that's, that's, but it, it ended that's, up being really cool. And everyone was like really appreciative and we're just like hugging everyone and just being super chill, taking photos. And we, we get through it in like about an hour and a half. It was probably as long as the actual set. Uh huh. And, and just at, we're just like, Oh, what a great show. That was so fun. So nice to meet all those fans. And the uh, promoter comes up to us and he's like, guys, a volcano has just erupted. Oh my God, dude. Like, I want to say it was, it was close. It was like maybe only like 10 or 15 miles outside of the city. Holy shit. And so there was ash that had been thrown onto the area that we were uh, in and that we were staying in. Fuck. And we're like, fuck, like, what does that mean? And they're like, the airport's closed. Oh no. So they're like, your flights out of here are probably canceled. And so we're just like, well, what do we do? And then, you know, the promoter was like so cool and so chill about it. Mm -hmm. um, they took us back and forth to the airport a couple of times. There was like one time that we were actually going to go because they said, oh, wait, some flights are, are actually coming about, like mm. are, are taking off um, on the day that our flight was supposed to leave. But I think it was like none of the big international airlines were were like going to take the risk to fly because if there was like an aftershock or something, yeah, um, they like it was so all these budget airlines were taking off and like to little like you know little connecting, hopper flights, yeah, connecting airports, yeah, and like I don't know if you know our like super fan from um, from Singapore, Rainer. He was at the show and he flew in. And so we're at the airport and he's like texting us being like, guys, my flight's about to take off. Like, I hope yours is good kind of thing. Oh, and we're shit. just there. We're like, oh no, like, I don't think we're going anywhere. And anyways, like this story is really long. No, um, yeah, this is great. We, we were, yeah, we were, uh, uh, on like a, uh, ANA, like Japanese, um, airline yeah. and they we were supposed to fly to japan uh -huh. and then from japan to hawaii and we had a show in hawaii like on the wednesday or something okay and the show in in uh, philippines happened on like a, a saturday so this was we we're this was maybe monday and mm -hmm. then we we're supposed to get there for and they're just keep saying like we can't get you out of here until until thursday 
and oh they kept God. saying like we, we were trying to say like can you get us back to toronto like i don't know like we're not going to go all the way to hawaii and if we're going to miss the show you know yeah, like, exactly um and it's just not happening and so we sat in we ended up being in manila for five days total i think uh maybe a sixth day even including this the the last travel day but whoa um and we were just like sitting in the hotel being like, well, I don't know what to do. And like, we, you know, the city was kind of like, we were in like a nicer part of the city, but it was like, people were in shock a bit from this volcano eruption mm -hmm. and like places were kind of closed and we didn't really know, but the promoter was super cool. He like took us to his restaurant that he owned. He also like invited us to his home for dinner one night. Oh, dude. Um, but this is a this thing too, is, this is like our first, everyone was wearing masks because of the soot in the air. So this is oh. all of a sudden, it's just like, masks right away like we're in masks and this is like this is january 10th or something right whoa um and finally you know we would just kind of like meet every day like in the hotel lobby just to sort of like talk and and touch base mm -hmm. and see you know like see if anyone had any ideas or you know like paul kohler had been on the phone with the travel agents and of course he was booking paul's, agents and all paul's this stuff, doing right? everything so, paul's doing everything <laughs> mostly <yeah>. everything <laughs> yeah but finally we found this flight um that was it would have taken us from uh from manila to taipei mm -hmm. and then there was a flight from taipei to hawaii but it was like 12 hours later Oh shit. But the thing is, is that it was going to get us there like just in time for our show in Hawaii. Okay. And so we, we like get all excited and like, we're all still not sure if like, if this flight's actually going to like, it might get canceled. Like mm -hmm. flights are still sort of like touch and go. Mm -hmm. And so we finally get on this flight to Taipei and we like, we're like, okay, not until we're in the air. You know what I mean? Like yeah. finally we get in the air and then we land at the Taipei airport and, um, uh, we actually had like a 12 or 13 hour layover and we land, we land there and the airport is just like empty. There's like no one there. Yeah. And so we're like, what the fuck are we going to do? And like, um, like I said, you know, um, I've really kind of, uh, made my life on touring, like being about like, not just hanging at the venue, like getting out and doing the thing, yeah. like, checking out the local stuff, like taking photos. Like mm -hmm. I'm all about like getting out and trying to find something to do. And, um, we looked it up and we were like an hour from the city. Oh, wow. and, but we're like, we've got 13 hours. Like, what are we going to do? And so Paul and Shane ended up staying at the airport, mm -hmm. but the rest of us were like, well, let's try it. Right. Yeah. And we didn't really know. And we like had, we had like bags with us and stuff, like not our checked bags, but like our carry on. Yeah. Stuff. We're like, well, let's just try. And so we like leave to go through customs and we had to get our passport stamped and all this stuff. We get out and we're like, uh, okay, found a place to like drop, you know, like um, a locker or whatever to uh -huh. drop our bags in. And then we just like, like Ubered to downtown Taipei. Now, wait, who was this? Was it, it was you, Paul? So Mark, it was me. Josh, TV, Paul, Mark, Josh, and mm -hmm. Ben, our tour manager. Okay, so it was the four of you. So it was only six of you guys yeah. total. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because we were flying real light on that. So. Yeah, good call. Um, and it was the best thing we did all year. Like it was, oh. so, it was such a good idea. Like, um, and like 
looking back and I'm sure like Shane and Paul looking back at what happened with the year, like they would have done it too. And like, it's just sort of the lesson is just like, you always got to try, you know? Yeah, man. Cause we got downtown and we just, you know, we, uh, we found like a cool, I don't know, like a couple different, like craft brewery places and like, um, (laughs) decent food. And like, it was, we just like walked around and it was like a really nice day. We were like taking photos and the like Uber ride was like an hour both ways. And it cost, I mean, it, it didn't cost, like a hundred bucks, maybe like, but we, so we each split it, like, you know, yeah, so it probably fine. Like maybe, like 30 maybe, bucks maybe each. Maybe 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. Whatever. There and back. That's worth it. Obviously fine. it sounds like it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. But then we finally, um, uh, fly to Hawaii and land at like, you know, noon or something. We don't get to the, you know, unloaded from the airport. I think to, uh, to make matters worse, like I got pulled into, um, u.s customs what? coming in because like we have like u.s visas but like um when I, I, this is always the case in hawaii they like uh they make you like bring your paperwork your visa paperwork and they want to like restamp your passport because mm-hmm. it's like because they're isolated it's like every time that someone comes into hawaii they're like immigrating into america so they treat it as if it's like your first time in america and it's like it's like, no, my visa is like good for four years. Like, and I'm showing them the stamp and they're like, the stamp doesn't matter. Like, where's your paperwork? And it's yeah. like, well, I don't, it's like, I don't know. Like our managers got it, you know yeah, I mean? like, like, but we're like, <laughs> but, but we're not all together. We are sort of all together, but they pulled me aside now. And so I'm like, I don't know. I feel like and I have my like laptop, but I like, can't, I can't connect to the Wi-Fi, So yeah. I can't like find, I don't know. We worked it out. I think Josh ended up having, <laughs> a copy of it and he, oh. he got my text and came and brought it to the office and they, they were just like giving me such a hard time about it. But mm. we, we, you know, got to the venue, basically got to the venue and sound checked and played the show. Wow. And it was like the most tired any of us has ever been I bet, like dude. crazy couple days. But like this idea that like, we can't cancel the show. Like we have to do whatever we can to get there. Like, let's just fucking do it. Um, that was like really the Silverstein way at the beginning of the year, you know? Hey guys, if you listen to this podcast, you've probably heard me mention that I record this in addition to working a full-time job. So it's probably no surprise that I drink a lot of coffee. And it's a good thing I have friends like Nick and Chris over at Legal Speed. They hook me up with some of the best coffee I've ever had, and they want to hook you up too. Enter code STORIES10 at checkout to take 10% off your order at LegalSpeed.coffee. Once again, that code is STORIES10 with a U, and be sure to check them out on Instagram at LegalSpeedCoffee and on the web at LegalSpeed.coffee. Dude, I gotta feel like, I, I gotta say, like, that. that's definitely been the Silverstein way, and at least for me personally, like I feel like any of the, you know, cause I have a pretty small, small circle that I run with like touring, like especially nowadays to where like, even after all this shit, there's very few bands I would leave my apartment for right now, you know, and you guys are there, Manchester, Andrew McMahon, and uh, fucking obviously like Fallon 
and gaslight. Gaslight, yeah, sure. I I would need to ask what like when did you when did you when did we first meet you? Was well, it- hold on, I'll get I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to finish this thought. But but basically, like I know, like those all of you guys, like in that category I just named, you guys are all the guys that would rather oh, wait, there's a way for us to make this work rather than just taking the money and running. Like, Sure. So it goes back to what you said to where, like, you know, you got to keep like, good people in your life and, you know, like, for keep sure, that going. Sure. But I think me and you would have met... <sighs> you know what's funny? I know when your, I know when your first show was. was My first it was show the, was the... Started that, like, pro- yeah. that protest show. Yeah, I think we might have, I looked at the thing and I think we played Guelph the night before the Ottawa van thing happened. But right. Oh yeah, because me, Josh, and Neil stayed at like their friend's place. Or no, wait, I don't know. That was another night of the tour where we did that. <laughs> it was like a blast. But, but I I have this memory of was it because like a I feel like it was like a week or two before that we played with Underoath at like Toad's place. Yes, I did come out to that. Yeah, me and I think and it was me and Kenny. Me and Kenny came out to that. I think right. And I think I think that you. um we like maybe we met you very briefly um, when because you were working for Hawthorne before that. I know we like ran into each other in Vegas on that mess tour. Oh my god, um, that's right, we did. And then we ran into each other. Remember that festival we played in? Um, it was at the Palladium, and it was like you yeah. guys Sk- fucking skate hot. fest. Skate fest. It was you guys. Like I think I forgot who was that out. Boys Not Out headlined, I think. Yeah, you, it was, you, you got it the won reference. Well, Stevo, Stevo headlined. Oh yeah, right. Stevo was like throwing shit out of the dressing room window that night too. I forgot that, um, was, uh, that was wild. <laughs> let me find that because that was Palladium. that would have been September. That would have been like the fall. It was like right after my birthday. I think it was like September, October of yeah, September September eighteenth, two thousand. Four, Holy and it was shit. a Stevo, Bayside, Hawthorne Heights, Boys and Out, Spitalfield, Minus the Bear, and more. And so yo, I have see, that was the first time I saw Receiving End of Sirens, and I remember like watching them and being oh, like, yeah, oh yeah. my god. But afterwards, we went to a house party, I remember this, and <laughs> this is great. So we all went to a house party, and obviously at the time, you and Paul were straight, Paul is still straight edge, you are, you are not. But no. You guys were, I think you guys, and I think maybe Shane was still going to bed early at that point. Shane was still not much of a party or maybe, but I remember you guys went to bed and me and Neil and Josh, like I ended up like, I ended up going there with like, I don't, I think I rode in the van with you guys there. I, I, I don't know this. My memory is foggy on this. I gotta, I'm going to have to think mm-hmm. about this more, but I ended up there and I remember like, you know, me, Neil, and Josh just smoked and just fucking done our thing. And uh, I was like, yo, man, like, I need, like, there." I saw the Silverstein shirt tonight. It's great. Like, I want it. Like, I, like, I need to get it. And Neil's like, yo, let's go to the van and get it. And, like, Neil obviously was not any w- way, in any way, merchant-clined. So he... No. But, but he's also very much like, we're going to do this right now. And I'm like... No, 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 it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, don't worry about it. He's like, no, let's go. And he, like, opens the trailer, and he's just throwing merch bins out 
into the snow. Like, not in a bad way, but he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's in here. I don't know. We're going to find it. Like, whatever. And it was just, oh, God. It was just like, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, oh, man, that was like a merch guy's nightmare right there. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I remember the... Um... I remember that that show at, like at the Toad's place in um, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and and then like we came to uh, CMJ like a week later too. And I don't know if like I, I feel like that was where we were talking about hiring you. Like it was like no, dude. I, so I had gotten hired. I had gotten hired after that hangout at Toad's place. You guys were like, right. all right, you're our guy, and then. That was my first show. Was the at the limelight? CMJ. Yeah, it was the CMJ yeah. Victory Showcase. It was like totally, you guys. Totally, it, it that's what I thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was you guys. It was um, like action, action, Bayside. It was all the it was all like the East Coast bands. The forecast, yeah. The June. forecast. Oh yeah, June. Oh my God, shit, dude. Yo, the forecast. And then like, the forecast still hold up. I don't know if you listened to them recently. They fucking hold. I had up, that man. one. I had that one record. Um, it, had, it was like the old victory, like silk screened. It was like a silver cover. Yeah, dude, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Like that still holds up, man. Yeah. The forecast is like legit. Some victory bands don't hold up, but let me tell you, the forecast definitely does. <laughs> but yeah, so you, and then you worked with us for, you know, five years after that. I mean, I still think I'm, I am probably kind of employed by you guys without getting paid. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's like an open door thing, I feel like, where it's yeah. like, yo, well, because we were talking about, me and Paul were texting about doing like if if anything it would would be available for 2020 like to do mm-hmm. like any of those dates and he was like I mean he was honest he was like yo like our merch guy is like all in like he's cool as fuck and yeah, I was like oh dude yeah. I was like that's great I was like fuck yeah but like you know just let me know if that's ever not the case because you know right. obviously with you guys it's like we've had so much fucking fun on tour I mean like dude me and you just like <laughs> with, with like the absolute absurd shit we would wear and you know like and now looking back it's just like dude with just that that alone was just a whole that could be a whole podcast on its own <laughs> i i feel like i took on the, it was like more of a, like after your time a, like a warp tour thing cuz i was always wearing um you know like hawaiian vacation shirts <laughs> yeah. and i took on the like persona of uncle florida <laughs> and i don't know if that i feel like it, that it didn't actually come from you but you used to call me tommy bahama tommy bahama was, yeah <laughs> yeah that, that was certainly like a beginning of that i know you also called me billigan's island for billigan's a island yeah because you wore like this str- I, I think you there was dude there's a photo I gotta find it, and I know I've saw it, I've seen it recently, but it's like you're wearing like a striped shirt, and like we're both like doubled over laughing about yeah. me making fun of you for the shirt. But then yeah. I look at it now, and I'm like, oh, I would wear that shirt. Like that's a cool that shirt. shirt. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. The fuck? It's, just, it's just like a striped sweater. But like, yeah. but dude, we had so much fun with that shit because like, <laughs> like we would have like wrestling matches because this was like after. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> You brought this up and I feel like, um, especially in that, like, I, I only started drinking in 2010 and that was after you stopped touring with us, I think. But, yeah. um, so at the time when I, when I was straight edge, I feel like too, you know, like I was sometimes the like early to bed guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I also too, like I got, I just got picked on like so, so much as a kid mm-hmm. that like, I had this like kind of temper and reaction to, yeah. um, people just sort of bugging me or razzing me mm-hmm. or whatever. And like, it definitely came, came out in those years, you know, where, um, you know, especially when you guys would just like, you know, be wasted and just like wake me up or something or get on my nerves. I would just like, and like, this isn't a thing, an early thing from like the Silverstein van was like, anytime that someone would like, like I, I would always fall asleep first in the van. Of course. And like, we'd be like, we're at the hotel or at someone's house. Someone, someone would like shake me to wake them up. And I would just like swing at them. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, there was this thing where it was always called the lazy swing where I was just like asleep. And I was just like, like no, <laughs> like, get out of here. Someone tried to be like, get up. And it's like, Bruh. yeah, but you so were I definitely like, like a bunk a guy. Yeah. You were definitely like the bunk guy. Like you hung out in the bunk, like, you know, because like for a lot of those years. Yeah. Yeah. But also like looking back now as a, as a grown man, I'm like, oh, he was hanging out in the bunk because he was sick of a bunch of drunk guys howling and laughing in the front, and he just kind of had to get sleep whenever he could, you know? It was totally, like, yeah. And know, I mean, like, we can get, we can go deep into, you know, like the mental health of touring. I think oh, that there course, was a lot yeah. in those times that I was, I was going through. I had a very rough couple years in that, like, 2005, six. Mm-hmm. era you know we we dealt with a lot of shit on the road we were on tour literally the whole time you Lots know it's a i had some whack stuff going on with relationships mm-hmm. and with um family members passing away and friends passing away and um yeah those years we were on the road you know we played 200 shows some of those years mm-hmm. um and that was a real you know like there was a there was a point where i would just sort of um isolate myself because i was so um everything was so wild, you know, like, um, hot and cold sat, you know, like very peak moments of, of pure happiness, um, of like playing these shows, um, you know, living my dream per se, but then also these like peak moments of sadness where you're like, you know, stretched away from the people that you love and you're, you know, you've, you've had to say goodbye to people. Um, I, yeah, I remember, I mean, I don't want to get too dark with it, but I remember, you know, like when, we were on that Hawthorne tour when, um, Bayside, um, flipped their van. Like, I just remember being in a room with all of my best friends and everyone's crying. And I was just like, I don't even know what to feel right now because like, I want to be like, I've, I'm trying to like condition myself to like my whole life. I've been like conditioning myself to like be stronger than like the crybaby, you know, mm-hmm. that I was like bullied for. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I had like gotten to a point where I couldn't, like I couldn't cry when all of my friends were crying and I was just like, what does that make me? You know, like, and so I dealt with a lot of stuff back then where, you know, like it was, uh, I would go to my bunk to sort of like be, be alone because like, I didn't really know how to, how to talk about it or to share, share what I was going through, you know? Mm. No, man, I do know. And like, I, you know, without getting too much into it, like that time was crazy. And I was definitely one of those guys that didn't cry that just, but I remember everybody that did cry, but without yeah. going too much into it, but, um, you know, it's just, but yeah, uh, you, there, know, you know, we were, we were going, we were going so hard for those years that you were with us and, mm. um, you know, between 150 and 200 shows a year for five years straight. And, you know, it got hard on all of us. I, I, I mean, I remember not razzing it here, but there was that last tour that you did with us. Um, you had been touring with Gaslight 
uh, in Europe and you were like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like finish the gaslight tour and you know, come, I'm flying home from Europe and I'm going to fly straight to Toronto. I'm going to start your tour. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Danny, you're crazy. You're like, you're not, you're not going to do that. You're going to be so burnt out. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, I love you guys. I want to come back. I want to work the tour or whatever. And then you like call this from the airport. You're like, guys, I can't come, you know, like, yo, dude, we a- actually, that's one of the things I talked about with Shane, but like not too much, but yeah, man, like that, that was another thing to where, like, even looking back now, like that was a total like mental health thing. That wasn't sure. For sure. It was, that wasn't like, I don't want to tour with these guys. Cause like, I want to tour with you guys any chance there is, you know, at, at the end of the day, but it was like one of those things where there was so much other shit going on. And like, you know, I was just, I'd had such a crazy been, year been in Europe for two months or whatever. Like, yeah, it's I mean, like I'd had not a, physically yeah. possible. Right? Uh, you know, I feel like, no, no, Danny, Danny right now in right now where, where I'm at in my life, I would have made it work. Mm. Yeah. Danny then though, I do think I, I like, I like that. I like that positivity and outlook, but I think that that's like something that's, that's going to change in our industry in, you know, coming back to this. It's like, um, so much like burning the candle at both ends and just like one thing into another. Like if there's one thing that I'm like learning from this year and the past, like, you know, year and a half, two years, like through my own struggles and my own journey, mm-hmm. um, has been to just, just to, you know, slow down and like give yourself some time and some space to kind of, uh, to recover from stuff and to heal and to not that it doesn't have to be so like, go, 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 go. And like having like actual, um, you know, space and time and buffers between these kind of things, it, it like results in like a much healthier lifestyle, much healthier relationship, you know? Yeah, man. And I mean, even with this podcast, like, you know, it's like, I work a full-time job too, like, and I'm doing this, like, it's not even a side hustle. It's like, this is like the main thing I'm doing. But in that same respect, it's like, I'm grateful I have somebody like Kenny to fucking handle all the shit when I'm working fucking eight hours a day, you know? And it's like somebody like him who with his mind and like how he works and just like, you know, just like he, he, like he does all the technical shit and like operates on that level. And like, he's just, he's really good at like reining me in it. Like being like, well, nah, maybe we don't need to do this. And I'm like, ah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Cool. Yeah. So it's good to have that too. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things to where like, you know, I might not have had that perspective before all this. For sure. Yeah. For so, sure. You know, it's good to have, it's good to rely on other people too. You gotta, you gotta rely on other people. Like all this whole, like this whole, like bullshit of like, it's me, it's just me. It's me against the world. And it's like, nah, buddy, nah, buddy, you need fucking people. Like you need other people who are, who are like-minded, who are good people and like-minded individuals. But yeah, man, you can't do it on your own. You know, (laughs) you need help. We gotta gotta lean on each other, you know? Yeah, man. And that's the thing. It's like, I feel like we spent so many years leaning on each other without knowing on it because like I've touched on this before here because like, dude, like touring is like a form of therapy in its own way. You know, like I've toured with so many people that have like been getting sober, like for the first time and like where they're like, Hey, like, no, we still need to be around the booze 
and hang out, but mm-hmm. we need to not like, you know, to where they have their own set of discipline to where it's like, no, it's not a dry tour. It's not like this or that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just, we got to lift each other up, man. That's, that's, that's the, yeah. that's the thing, man, because at the end of the day, like the difference is really, it's, they're, they're less and less, I feel like, especially with what all that that's going on right now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But let's go back to the good times. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's dive into the vault. Pull up some your favorite Silverstein memories. I mean, 2009, fuck. 2009, what a year that was. Like, I think for Silverstein and me, like, that was like a year where, like, oh, man, we were kind of firing on all cylinders that year. Like, shit was going good. <laughs> Like totally. I mean, I think it was going good in a way, but it was also kind of chaotic because we had, um, we had like just released a shipwreck in the sand mm-hmm. and, um, it was our last, um, record under contract with victory. Mm. And there was this whole thing where like, we, you know, we didn't ever say we weren't going to resign with victory, but they just sort of, got the idea that we were, we were like, you know, shopping to other labels or interested in leaving or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, they just sort of, I don't, you know, some people would say like, they just sort of tanked that record. And it was tough because like we were, we had all these big plans and we were going strong with everything. And they were just sort of like, you know, not purposely sabotaging it or anything, but like that, you know, I think we were, we sort of had a bit of a rise and then like, you know, arrivals and departures people were a bit iffy on and then we kind of came back and we thought we had this like amazing kind of new record with like a more aggressive sound and mm. we, were, we were firing all, all cylinders but then things it felt like the like air was being let out of our tires in a lot of ways so we started to kind of get into that like rut kind of like it, I, I wouldn't say that like in the grand scheme of Silverstein like it was a really good time but I, I felt like things started to get like um, not like bad or worse but uh that's when like things started to get shaky and like i in a lot of my uh kind of struggles with it for sure but as far as like as far as the crazy times with you they certainly all happened in that year i mean all of them did not all of them i mean uh no no no, no, no. a lot of them do you remember do you i i, I oh wait four... wait yeah wait what I was going to say poor Joe Amato because <laughs> we, and I don't know, I don't know how we found Joe Amato. Um, but we, we it was found like him after. through, no, we found him through Anthony Paterno who works for two feet okay. and Great. who is yeah, like, yeah, yeah you, dreads. Like he's the best. Totally. Yeah, we love him. Totally. So, so Joe started doing sound for us, um, after the departure of Sean Palmer. And, uh, we, we, I remember, I think it was the first, day or the first week um that we had joe doing sound danny you decided to um i think it was to prank dougie our lighting guy by stealing like a um i don't think it was chipotle it was um i'm gonna stop you right there (laughs) you're reversing it 
Dougie, okay, you know Dougie, Dougie decided to prank okay. me with okay, the Quiznos sign. <laughs> Quiznos, that's it. The Quiznos sign. See, I knew you were involved. And I so can't Dougie say where this out. happened because I know where it happened. We're, I'm going to text you about this after this. I know exactly yeah. where this happened, but I don't want to incriminate anybody. But yes, oh, man. I, I think it happened. was. I thought it was in like Vermont or something. Damn it! Shut up! <laughs> shut up! Stop! <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Dougie's running into the bus with this like Quiznos sign that says sub <laughs> shoves it in your bunk. <laughs> and then you came back and opened it to get in your bunk and you're drunk. Of and course. you're climb in your bunk. And, and there's this, this giant like six foot sub sign in your bunk. Literally. And you're like, what, the, what is this? We got in my bunk. And you're just screaming and flailing and all this. And Joe Amato is like sleeping under you or something. And he's just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, who are these idiots? <laughs> yeah, Joe's like, what about, Joe's like, this is the guy that got me the job and he's sitting here screaming about a fucking Subway's, a Quiznos sign. What the fuck? <laughs> dude but that was after all the winnipeg stuff that happened at all yeah sure so that was right so right so yeah that so we we talked about the winnipeg incident with shane that's gonna yeah Mm -hmm. people have heard that already but that happened and then um that was also i was going through a crazy breakup too during that time so i was like i was literally like going from like living with my ex-girlfriend to like moving back in with my parents but it was also like you know i would have been like not uh, like almost 28 years old so that's still like where it's like all right cool like whatever like my parents can still help me out if they want to you know yeah and you were probably not really home because we you know we were on the road and then when we we were when we were overseas you were touring with other bands and well, no, you guys took me overseas a lot of the times, but I don't think we yeah, were. So, oh, yeah. well, actually, no, we did go overseas in 2009. We could do a whole podcast about that Billy Talent fucking cancer bat. Oh, tour. yeah. Holy totally shit. One yeah. of the best tours. Like, that's top five right there, hands down. But that summer was crazy because, like, I remember right after that tour, it was, dude, holy shit. I just remembered this. So I remember it was after the Winnipeg, all the. You know, that whole tour. The, the, we'll just call it the Winnipeg tour. <laughs> Even though mm-hmm. Poison the Well and the Sleeping were on it and it was fun, but we missed like fucking, what, five shows, three shows? Something like that, yeah. yeah. exactly. But it was after that tour, and I remember Kenny picked me up from the airport because I had like an hour window of like being able to get my stuff from my ex's apartment in the city to getting it out of the apartment before she had gotten back from a tour that she was on. You know who I'm okay. talking about. But yeah, okay. it was one of those things to where it was like, okay, I have like no time. So I literally, like, Kenny like pulled up to the apartment outside, waited out there in his, uh, I don't think, he, nah, he didn't have the, uh, he didn't have the camera at that point. He was still in his Acura, but he pulls up outside, waits, and like literally I just came out of the apartment like, five minutes later with like just all my shit and like all the stuff on hangers in the closet. And then I think we went on tour like a week later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, like I said, at that time it was nonstop. It was like, we'd finish a tour and there would be literally days and then we'd be like, okay, we got to get back on tour. You know, yeah. like that was the only thing we knew at the time. It was the only way, you know, we were operating. We played. Yeah. I think that year I actually made a list, um, a while back of, so, 
2009. Yeah. 157 shows. And we made a record that year. Yes, you did. And so wait, what was the summer of 2009? So that was the the last show. um, Look at the last show from poison. The well with, with, with poison, the well and sleeping. That would have been, that would have been, yeah. So we played the Winnipeg show on June 27th and then we got stuck in Winnipeg for four or five days. Uh huh. And then we met back up. We played that like mall in um, Minneapolis. Oh, that's after, like the Journey show with yes, with, um, Staff Lullaby. Yep. And then we played Emerson Theater, Indianapolis. Uh, yep. in Indianapolis. And then um, we started Warp Tour six days later. Oh, so I didn't. I I wouldn't have gone home. I would have stayed. Oh, I definitely stayed with one of you guys in Canada probably yeah. cuz that was that was the vibe back then it was like nah I'm not going to go home I'm going to stay with these guys yeah and then we finished work we only did uh you know what those shows yeah we did a couple of sh- there were so shows they, before warp tour no no so we did so what <laughs> happened is we did we did the two like uh canadian shows on warp tour where it was like um Toronto and Montreal and then we also played uh, just a headline show in Kingston and then we went and played Ottawa Blues Fest with Stone Temple Pilots. That's right. Oh my and then god. We, and then we had like a couple weeks off and we met back up on Warp Tour like for the West Coast. So we played like shows going out to um like back through Canada to, to meet back up with Warp Tour in Calgary because we were just doing the Canadian shows and then the West Coast. Right. And then yeah, we were on the West Coast. But then after the West Coast run, we did shows after that, right? We we did we like, like flew to, we flew to Hawaii or not to Hawaii, to Alaska. No, we but did, before that, like after Warp Tour, we did shows before you flew to Alaska because I didn't fly we, to that's Alaska. That's the thing is we because yeah. you didn't fly to Alaska, but mm-hmm. we we had a flight from Colorado or something, and so we played shows in like Utah and Colorado Springs with. Um, Oh Sleeper in Medina Lake, it looks like. Right, that was it. I remember Oh Sleeper played, and they had like sick merch. I remember being like, "Oh shit!" Like this is. Dope. And then we flew up to uh, to Anchorage and did a couple shows there. And then like that's the thing is like that ended, and then a week later, you know, we started on the uh, the B Market tour, right? It was like closure tour, in Moscow. No, the tour, it was like shows with no, no, no. It was shows um, leading up to that day to remember Canadian tour. Oh my God, that's right. Wait, what shows were? Oh shit! It was with the shows um, with with Brandon uh, on the bus. Yes, that's right. Brandon was on the bus. Yeah. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon employs me and Kenny part time now too. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> great. And like uh, Paul Mark's old band, I'm Kenny Sin played. Right. I actually, I actually didn't play those shows because I had um, agreed to go to. Uh, a really good friend's wedding in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And like the way that the way that it was is we had, we had booked the Canadian tour or whatever. And it was like, I kind of said, Oh, I've got this wedding to go to. Is that cool? And everyone's like, yeah, that's totally cool. And then it was like, the shows came up afterwards. And so it was like, Oh, okay, well it, we'll just play the shows. And like Hallmark replaced the pledge to the uh, base. Hey everybody, Danny here. If you have a minute, be sure to check out stories.net to learn about how we are supporting members of the touring community with your help. That's stories.net. S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S dot net. My, uh, my AirPods died 
Sorry. That's Hopefully all right. You can still hear me. No, I can definitely still hear you. It sounds sounds great. It sounds even better. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, as long as you can like, yeah, hear me hear, hear me ask you questions with the delay. But so then after that we oh wait, what oh after that we went right into the day to remember fucking tour in Canada. Yeah. And so that we, was uh, like co headlined across Canada. Yeah, what well, yeah. With them. And that was like the craziest lineup. It was Brendan Rivera acoustic opening up. <laughs> and then yeah. it was uh what is that band called? Fuck. I'm sorry. I'm the worst. What are they called? It was uh, t- uh ten second epic. Ten second epic, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Ten second epic. Di- well, I c- I am committing a sin before and them. Then I uh I'm committing a sin was first and then yeah. ten second epic and then um Day to remember. remember. I think that was just it was just that there wasn't another band in there. Well, it was it was a fi- um, it was Brendan. Yeah. Brendan that pretty was a- much was the like the like he was like the okay doors are open like this is like a favor kind of thing. I right? feel like we just I mean I love Brendan but I feel like we did that as like a favor to you. Yeah. Well, it was just I mean, like yeah. you were you were helping him out and like we heard his record and we're like that's cool we're like let's bring Danny's friend on tour. Yeah, exactly. And it was like the, Oh, we have an open bunk. Sure. Whatever. And yeah, it's like, if Danny vouches for this guy, he's probably going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I want to like touch back and like kind of reiterate what I said about like this being a time where not with like the, where like the wheels were falling off, but I just feel like we were like making decisions in a way where like, um, we've like learned from these mistakes kind of thing. Like, at the time, not, and like, not that we wouldn't bring Brendan on tour, but just like these kind of things where we were just like, we had so many people like working for us. And like, we had, you know, like two guitar techs and just, we were just like spending money. And, and then I think that like, especially looking back on that tour with the day to remember is like, um, we were co-headlining, but we were closing the shows cause we were Canadian mm-hmm. and like, that was right. Like the year that they blew up, blew up. Yeah. And, and those shows, like, they rolled in and they just like made a laughing stock of us. No, like, they, they didn't. I, no. They blew us off the stage. No. Like they came in and no. they had like this big backdrop with like their cartoon faces on it. And they like they might as well have had like confetti cannons and shit. And then like we just sort of got up there and we're like, oh, we're like kind of a punk band, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, and we just we had this like attitude about it where we like were, you know, they just came and like they came and brought their A game and we were just sort of like okay with, you know, doing our thing and like not phoning it in, but like sort of just like we were just kind of riding it out, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it was like after a lot of that that we were like, oh shit, like we really got like pull up our socks here and like we got to be a better live band and we got to make smarter decisions we can't just be like wasting money all the time Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like we can't just have a bus every time if we you know if if like we're doing a support tour or something like we we got to be smarter right we got to like because we were just on the road so much that we came back the end of the year we're like what like what do we have to show for this you know yeah no, nah, I mean, like, you know what? And it's about perspective because I don't agree with your perspective on them blowing you off the stage every night. I don't agree with that. But I do agree that, like, you know, younger bands sometimes that come in with that fire that A Day to Remember had inspire bands that have been around for a while who have might have been complacent. And 
I think that's great. I think that part's great, but don't fucking undersell yourselves and be like, no, I just like, don't do that. I, I, th <laughs> I think that like, you know, Silverstein is in like a really great place Hell now in yeah. 2020. We've stuck it out all these years. We're, mm -hmm. you know, celebrating all these great milestones. We're, I think releasing the best music we've ever made. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of that has come from, you know, our, sh our shows that we did in the States and in Europe at the beginning of this year were the biggest shows we've ever headlined. Um, we had, you know, sold out all these big rooms in America. And like, I think that's because of like those lessons along the way of just like, okay, we got to like, we got to get our shit together and like, we got to make our show better. We got to make ourselves better. We got to make our production look cooler. Like we need, we got to like step it up and like, um, and also there was years of just like, I think where our kind of genre our kind of style of like scream screamo emo whatever like kind of went away mm -hmm. and like all these bands like under oath and thrice and uh thursday they all broke up and you know alexis on fire all these bands broke up and we didn't and we stuck it out and you know through that time i think we sort of had to you know take our lumps in a little bit of ways, but we, we came out on the end, other end of it, like stronger and better. And I think that that's like sort of a theme we're getting on here is like, as we get out of this like awful year of not being able to tour, like, I think we all got to come back with like a better perspective of like how to do this smarter, not harder and yeah. how to take better care of ourselves and how to put on an amazing show for like all the great fans out there. And like, treat people with respect and treat people with kindness and treat yourselves with the same, you know? Yeah, man. It's like, it's, it's all about like taking the ego away at the end of the day, because like, you know, if I'm sitting here like, Oh, I need to treat myself better. Like I can't look at that as like, Oh, that's, ah, oh, man, I shouldn't be thinking of myself during this time. It's like, yo, you should think about yourself like a little bit, but I think thinking about yourself just like at, in the, in the smallest amount kind of gives you the luxury of thinking about other people a lot more, you know? So it's, totally. yeah, man. It's and seeing the bigger things. picture and not just being like, Oh, I'm going to like make this decision based on ego. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because like, I mean, I, I know we can, we can probably rattle off about fucking 50 people right now who make their decisions on ego, but we won't because nah, but you know, it's one of those things to where like, egos it's it's a lot uh, it's a lot more of an issue than people think you know and it's you know once you kind of learn like where that lies and the true like meaning of like what we're doing on this fucking planet it's like eh, it doesn't mean shit ego fuck yeah. you like you know like and i mean this is the uh this is the talk shit on danny podcast not the talk shit on everybody else podcast no exactly <laughs> yeah like this is like yo make fun of me i mean like fuck like me and shane talked about the twinkie i mean like is there anything any anything else you want to make fun of me about we should definitely do that <laughs> Twinkie, but the Twinkie, that's the thing. That's the thing. To me, it's not making fun of me because it actually happened and it's, wow. who cares? Oh man, the Twinkie. <laughs> but wait, what? Uh, yeah, there's got to be something else we can make fun of me about. I don't know. I mean, 2009, that was a pretty, that was a pretty, I think we all were kind of like, 
badly i mean i was definitely bad badly my, behaved in my favorite thing like okay so we briefly brought this up on the like silverstein twitch hang oh is like my favorite story of of danny quitting silverstein oh. is, uh took took place in germany um where we i guess it was like the last day of tour and we had sold all of our merch because uh, we had it was the last day and we just sold out of everything and um danny had this idea that on the you know he was he was quitting i mean i think he always thought that he'd be back but he was quitting because he was going to take a job working for aaron from under oats new band the almost wait let me stop you right here this was in (laughs) this was in italy and it was in 2007 no it was definitely in germany because it was no it was not it was not germany trust me it was italy 2007 I promise you. Anyway, go. Anyway. So your favorite Danny memory is. We're in Germany and we sold all the merch and Danny's going on tour with the almost. And (laughs) he decides to get up on stage. We bring him on stage because he's drunk and he like wants to stage dive or something. And he grabs the microphone and he goes something like, I just want to thank Silverstein for like, having me out but this is my last tour with them and you ever heard of a band called Underoath? and then you like swing the microphone like you're the like you're spencer from Underoath or like adam lazar i was, going, like for adam. I was going for adam let's be honest i was going yeah. for adam <laughs> and and then he starts going off on this on this thing being like you know if there's any hot girls out there i'm recently single anyone wants oh. to take me out for a burger king i want a country burger with cheese or something and then a girl yells from the crowd you should go to the gym <laughs> dude at, at like shane's shane's story for that is almost exactly the same pretty much like yeah. almost verbatim but but that tour was mad emotional cuz like it, like you said man like we were dealing with emotions that like we didn't understand at the time because like, you know, it wasn't like, like, Oh, I'm just moving on to a next job. It was like, fuck man. Like Silverstein's not, they've never been a job. Like, you know, it was like shit. Like I I have to like quit to like, you know, do something for myself, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And it was like it, dude, that was rough, man, because like that was right before your Rise Against tour too, and I was like yeah. stoked for that. And yeah, right. And then Joe Foster did that tour. That's right. Right. That's what. It, that's when it was for sure. Then yeah. No, che- uh, was it Joe Foster or Cheapy? No, Joe Foster Cheap- did that Rise Against tour. Yeah, Cheapy Tech. So yeah. Yeah. That was 2007. Yeah. Oh. Um, did you do that Simple Plan tour with us in Europe as well? Oh yes, in 2006. That one was crazy. That was amazing. That was such a fun tour. That was like, (laughs) that was ridiculous. (laughs) That was a good one. But I feel like, but 2009, like towards the end, like after, after we did all the, like the summer tours and shit, like, and whatever, and the Canadian tour with Data Remember, like we did like a USB market tour with a bunch of, with like Medina Lake, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was closure in Moscow, and there was who? Who right. else was on there? Mm. That other band with the the word the word of the word the word alive, alive yeah. the word alive. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, and that that's it. Just four bands. Uh, and like, um, I see stars was on 
Oh, right. And yes. then they kind of, um, they, they left cause they had some, they, they had, they some left, they had yeah. imaginary van trouble or something. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. It was something like that. I remember. Yeah. But yeah, but, even that, that, uh, Billy talent tour was like, yeah, some of the biggest shows we've ever, we've ever played. And, and then I remember going to, um, the UK, we had like three headline shows at the UK in the UK at the end of it. And we were all just so burnt out and we were coming from playing like, like Olympic, like stadium, not stadiums, but like I Olympic mean, arena kind of. There shows. was, there was 10,000 plus people at all of our shows. At all those shows. That's, yeah. And that's not being a dick. I think that's being real. Like that's right. exactly what they were, but but yeah, then we play the UK like club shows. Then we play the UK in like in like closets. Yeah. And but dude, PJ Harvey came to one of our shows. You know that, right? Oh right, I forgot about that. That was like the most random thing. Like I remember somebody coming to merch and being like, "You know PJ Harvey's here, right?" And I was like, "What? She? What? The, what? <laughs> the that PJ?" I just Harvey? remember being so checked out <laughs> after like after those Billy Talent shows and going to the UK and like we we kind of like weren't super fond of the UK at the time. And mm. we just went and did these shows and they like, they sucked. And I remember like <laughs> years later, the Amity affliction played one of the shows and like, we barely even saw them. Like it was just sort of came in for the show, like was on the, like on the bus or whatever. And then like years later they were like, Oh, remember we played those shows with you guys in the UK? I was like, no, like, Oh man. Like they were you, on those. Like you guys were dicks to us or like your tour manager, like made us sit in the hall or something. Who would have been our tour? Oh no. Dougie would have been our tour manager. That would have been. No, no, I think it was. He I don't wouldn't, remember. Dougie wouldn't have done that. Um, I, I'm not sure who it was on the, on those Billy talent. Uh, it wasn't the Billy talent show, but yeah, it was just a thing. And I'm sure it was a thing where it was just a misunderstanding and we didn't know them or didn't know it was them or like, it, we were just sort of in the dark on it. And, Later, we're like, and we just didn't, we didn't say, don't give that band a dress. You know what I mean? Like, no, nobody, I mean, well, no. actually, not nobody ever says that. Some, some bands are absolute right. dickheads, but I know you guys have never been like, no, don't give that band a dressing room. Like, fuck it. Like, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. you know, there's some bands where some people need their own rooms, like a bunch of fucking divas, but hey, whatever. Yeah. We won't, we won't make fun of them. Right well, hey, now. is there any, anything you can think of that you want to make fun of me for? Uh, ooh. Well, <laughs> I did text you about this, and <laughs> yes, so, uh, no regrets. Yes. <laughs> I've heard before. <laughs> this is probably the last, no, no this, is, this is the last thing I would make fun of you for. I mean, I know you're always going to wear overalls and, you know, look like Oshkosh Bagosh, <laughs> you know, in his, <laughs> in his 30s, um, but... With, with the no regrets, I kind of I don't want to make fun of you, but I just kind of want to like be like, yo, I think it's cool that you kind of admitted that you had a regret and you changed it. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I tell think, the story. Okay, the, the story is, is is I got this like I mean I I don't know I guess you are taking video here, but yeah, it's there's video, but like, not, it's not. Yeah, so no. I got this like kind of half sleeve tattoo here that says you know, no regrets. And it no was regrets. a hot water music inspired thing. It says no looking back, sinking ships here. Yep. I got it in, I want to say it was in 2005 or six. It was in the midst of all yep. it that was in the crazy midst year of, of touring. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, that was, like I said earlier, that was a time that I was like going through a bunch of stuff. And I, I think a lot of it, I was 
getting into getting tattooed and mm. I was also like sort of struggling with, you know, my, myself and my identity and stuff. And I was just like, you know what, like I, I got to get tattoos. Like I'm going to get covered in tattoos and that'll make me cool or something. You know what I mean? Like I got to mm. fit into this like band lifestyle or something. So <laughs> I was getting tattooed. I was getting tattooed really quickly. And the, the like local artists, uh, well, I won't name them. Uh, I think at the time was also really going through a lot of personal shit. And, um, but this artist was amazing, by the way, let's just amazing say this artist like, and like this a really person great was amazing. Yes. Amazing. Had done a lot of, had done a lot of tattoos on me, but they were going through a bunch of stuff as well. And we sort of just rushed into this tattoo and it was like, you know, on the, a short break between a tour and, um, you know, you know, when you get like, it's a, it's the half sleeve, you know, that when you get a tattoo, you like put the stencil on and you're sort of like looking at it to make sure that it's like the right in the right spot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know that we ever like looked at it and said, like, these are the letters <laughs> in it, but yeah. <laughs> the stencil went on. It was sort of the thing that it got drawn and I looked at the drawing and then it got like redrawn for the stencil. And then it got like just the spacing of everything it got put on. And then I like turned my arm and I'm looking, I was like, Oh, yeah, this like, looks pretty cool. You know, I think it's going to be good. <laughs> and then we, we start doing the tattoo and we get the, like the lines in, and it was actually Paul Mark who at the time was like, probably like what? 17 16 or something. 16. Like, he was really <laughs> young. And he was just, he'd like, had just started hanging around with me and my friends and he was hanging out. And I think, like we're like looking at it to like about to do the next set of shading or something. And he's just like, uh, guys, <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> and so it, it was supposed to say no regrets. And it got a letter got left out and said, no regrets, which is like, you know, a classic <laughs> fucking idiot thing to happen. <laughs> and, um, I think of like immediately I was just like, I, yeah, like I sort of was like, well, I got one regret. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. um, It's, it's funny because Paul Mark actually, um, he ended up getting a tat him and our our other friend, Kevin King, who was in his old band, I'm committing a sin. They both went and got no regrets tattoos after that. Oh my God. And another, a funny story with that too was, um, one of my all-time favorite bands, they're a band from around Toronto. I've been liking them since like 2001 or 2002 is a band called the Constantines. Ooh, yes. And um, like at the time, or I think this was like a few years later, I was living in Parkdale in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, right across the street from um, where like Maddie Matheson was cooking at this restaurant called parts and labor. Oh, and right. they had this whole thing where they were doing really nice, fancy, expensive food upstairs. And mm-hmm. then in the basement, they had like punk shows it was like the shop at parts and labor. And all the guys working at the, at this venue were um, band guys and whatever friends of Maddie's all this stuff. There was like this whole thing that these like, you know, restaurant investors were trying to like make this like cool hangout spot for like for punk and band dudes. Mm-hmm. And um, Doug, the drummer of the Constantines was working there. And because I lived across the street, I was also living with Scott Wade, who used to be in comeback kid. Mm-hmm. And he was working there and, you know, dudes would just kind of come over to my place after. And I feel like I was on tour and Scott sends me a text and it's of Doug, like in my room, like holding my Constantine's records. 
with a tattoo on his arm that says no regrets. Oh my and God. What? He, it's like he heard about it through like it would just the story had gotten around that I had got this no regrets tattoo <laughs> and Doug like heard about it. it doesn't have another tattoo. He just has a single like stick and poke on his arm that says no regrets. And Scott saw it and was like, dude, that's my roommate. Dude. Holy fuck. <laughs> But and I mean, like, like at the time, I didn't, um, I didn't know Doug, but I met him later, and we've mm-hmm. become friends, and so we've had a laugh about it. But just you know, the the legend of the no regrets tattoo. Um, yeah, I mean, like, dude, I love. Eventually, that. I I did I did like fix the tattoo, and it um, looks like nothing was ever wrong with it, too. Yeah, like, I mean, still... I, I can tell that there's something well, wrong with can, it. You know, yeah. there's sort of like some raised skin and some whatever, some. Cause we just sort of like yeah. went over the lines with shading and stuff. And, um, but to me, it's a, there's a lesson there in that, like, you know, there, yes, there are regrets, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, but part of me wishes I, you know, had just kept it at no regrets because no, you know, like some regrets, right? <laughs> that was going to be my next question is like, do you kind of regret not keeping no regrets? Now well, so that and that's, the, po- that's the point. And like, you know, I love, I love hot water music and I love the song and it meant so much to me, but the lesson that came out of it was, um, was yeah. Like in life, you know, you got, and I think that's where Paul Mark and Kevin like wrote some more stuff with theirs. And it's just like, yeah, the, you have regrets and like, yeah. Um, but yeah. But no, I think, no, yeah, I think no your regrets. tattoo is like, I mean, whatever, like, just like the story behind your tattoo has probably inspired so many people to be like, yeah, well, yeah, there are regrets, fucking whatever. Like, this is just like a shining example of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And like, you know, you gotta, you gotta live with them and literally wear them on your sleeve sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you literally are wearing them on your sleeve and yeah. you know, it's fucking great. But all right, um, I'm gonna wrap this up because fuck, man, we we We're still have we still on. have no, well, dude, we still have so much to talk about <laughs> beyond this. So like, I'm gonna save this for a future one. Okay. But all right, so I sent you the the three questions for the sure. you know little thing. So buyout versus catering. I I will definitely say I love a buyout. I'm always the guy, like I said, like I'm always trying to get away from the venue, um, mm-hmm. trying to like, you know, I, I live so much of my life, like in this world of enjoying like, you know, cool, uh, food and beverage, you know, I'm always trying to find a cool beer, coffee shop, restaurant, mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So having the buyout gives me the ability to leave the venue and kind of tread my own path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that when, you know, when you're somewhere and the venue's in the middle of nowhere and you can't really get out there, yeah. catering can be great sometimes. The catering's on, but, when the catering's on point, it's on point. It's one it's of on those point. things. To but wear. if I, if, if I've got, um, the world at my fingertips, I'll take the yeah. buyout every time, you know? And wait, what's your, what is your dietary restrictions now? Or are you... So I, I actually, uh, we're, we're going, we're going live with this. I, I mean, uh, hey, we, we, we can a vegetarian for a really long time, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, had shifted into like eating f- seafood. And like, since pandemic has happened, I've actually started eating meat again mm-hmm. for the first time in over 15 years, maybe. 
Oh, wow. Um, and a lot of it just out of sort of, you know, I don't want to say boredom, but as like, a, well, here we are and like kind of fuck it. Let's give this a try. And, you know, I can always go back and see if this, see if this works for now, you know? Yeah, man. It's one of those things to where like you, the more you label yourself and the more you it's, that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation, but I, yeah. I right. But you know, I'm on, I'm on the same level with you, man, where to where like yeah. I eat pretty much it's like 90% vegan. And then I eat like eggs and fish and that's it. Yeah. Like, but not a lot, just kind of like once a week for both. But it's, it's one of those things to where like, that's why I wouldn't like, I've talked to people who are like strict vegans and are like, well, that's not vegan. Uh, you know, just that's not vegan. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I know it's not fucking vegan. Like, I'm not trying to say it's fucking vegan. I'm just saying like, I yeah. eat mostly vegan and then I eat fish and eggs and they're like, well, yeah, I don't know, man. The message might get, and I'm like, fuck you with your fuck. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't want to hear your shit. Yeah. Beat it. I've, you know, I've advocated for those lifestyles for a really long time and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't take that back, but mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, there's so many absolutes in that, that, uh, you know, nothing, you can never really fully, like, like you said, like, I mean, sure. Like fish and eggs aren't vegan, but like, there's a lot of things that technically are vegan that are like, like cookies and stuff that it's just like, is that good for you? Is that good for you start when you start ticking the boxes of like, is that, is that good for the environment? Is that good for um, the, like the workers, the corporations, like when you, when you get into like the bigger thing of like, of the bigger problems in the world, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to keep up. And um, so I try to be conscious about what I consume across the board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I, you know, there's some things that can be considered. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like a, a ethics, uh, you know, moral compass here or anything, yeah. but, um, but I think that I, I try to be conscious of the, the things that I consume. And I, I think that uh, just trying to be healthy and trying to be compassionate uh, as much as I can. Yeah. And that's, that's all you can do at the end of the day, man. It's like, there's, everybody has a lot on their plates last year and this year. And it's like, you know what, man, like, let's just fucking be compassionate. That's like you said, man, at the end of the day, like compassion is kind of like, that's, that's a good, uh, that's just a good goal to reach is just right. being compassionate. And you know, it's think, not yeah, easy. Conscious, for like yeah. being vegan just taught me so much about like knowing what's in my food and what's, mm -hmm. um, and, and the, the companies and process behind that. Yeah, exactly, man. I agree. Um, all right. So festival versus club show. Cause you guys, I know you have an interesting perspective on that. I'm sure. I mean, I love, I love festivals. Um, and it's great. There's like no feeling like playing in front of like a, a ton of people, but really I got to go with club show because, um, sort of having, having a capacity on something. It's like you, like when you play like a, a totally blown out sold out show that it's like, there's an energy there, right? Mm -hmm. There's like, when you can feel sort of the walls dripping sweat and yeah. stuff, like there's an energy there and festivals oh, yeah. are great, but it's like, you can put tens and hundreds of thousands of people in a field and it like feels like a festival, uh -huh. but playing a, playing a, like a, you know, rammed out club show, whether that's for like 
200 people or 2000 people, um, there's no better feeling than like, than literally knowing that like everyone in the room is like, is there for you or singing along or whatever. We're like a festival. There's so many like variables of like other bands playing and passers by and all that stuff. So like, yeah. I mean, unless you're headlining a festival, it's kind of tough to like, well, I'm sure, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like even any, any festivals that Silverstein's headlining, um, there's, you know, there's, an open field and you sometimes it's like well is there like five thousand people here or fifty thousand yeah it's hard to tell yeah you're like what the fuck let me look out there um and then last one is bus versus van i mean i gotta go bus and i i think that anyone who says van is uh you know is uh posturing in some way well it depends on the circumstances for van i would say if if, yeah and i mean like yeah, I think like in a perfect world, you always pick Van. Like, sure. Um, the, I think the only good uh, argument for a Van is like, um, you know, you obviously make more money because you're not spending it on the expensive bus. But um, I take the I'll take the the bus every time because I like to sort of go to sleep and I like I comfortable sleeping on a bus and I like waking up in the city early you know before the show to have times to like walk out walk around and explore and hang out where i think in the van like and like sure i'm sure there's people out there who like like the van and like to like have a hotel room to stay in and then get back in the van and go and show up like to the show they'd rather be in like the hotel Mm -hmm. and the van than be kind of stuck at the venue yeah um but i think that uh i'll take the bus it's like you know yeah and I agree with if 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 it's more than like a two week tour, give me the bus. But yeah. if it's like a two week tour where the drives are like two three hours apart every night, and mm-hmm. you have like one day off to make an eight hour drive, put me in the fu- and it's with Silverstein. Put me in the fucking <laughs> van like that. Like I'm totally cool with that. And I think like yeah. that's where it's a little different because if you're doing it on like on that level, like where it's like you know a short run. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We could share rooms like, every night, whatever. We're never, um, you know, Silverstein's a band that's like sort of never, uh, shied away from getting back in the van. Like whether nah. or even like we've even done shows where it's just like, okay, like let's get the box truck and like, let's get a minivan or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, it's fucking dude. You guys, I mean, that's the thing, man. You guys are kind of like, the, you guys are one of the Kings of just making it work and just, yeah, we're not canceling shows and we're just doing this. It's fucking, totally. yeah, it's admirable, man, for sure. <laughs> I wish more bands were like that or had yeah. been like that before all this. <laughs> but yeah, man, fuck. Well, shit, this has been great. I'm going to fucking wrap it up with you because we still have probably 10 episodes worth of things to talk about. Well, I'm here. sure we could, we could go on for hours and days we and could, years. Yes, exactly. But we're already at like over an hour and a half and I'm like, Oh shit. All right, fuck. <laughs> we got a lot here, <laughs> but yeah, man, thank you so much for doing this, man. This was fucking dope. And like shit, man, I'm stoked. Like we're, we're going to do another one for sure. But this one was well, Danny, Thanks for having fun. me, bud. It's good yeah, to see you. And dude. what's up, Kenny? You're there somewhere. Yeah, he's in the. Oh, he's right now. Back later. He, backs, he, he comes <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, he comes in and waves at the end and then edits it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, this is awesome. Well, yo, stay safe and like, fuck, we'll keep in touch, man. Yeah. Okay. Love you, bud. All right, bro. Love you too. Peace. All right, see ya. Stories and all access podcast is hosted by me, Danny Del Donuts. 
It is produced by Kenneth Fletcher. Our theme music is Storms by Personnel. Learn more about what we are doing for the touring community at stories.net. That's stories.net, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S.net.